and the light wasn't external that's the thing I feel like when we come to this practice you know like it's gonna heal me yes it's gonna heal you but nothing outside of you is doing the work you are doing the work hello 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 yogis Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to Dharma Talk, where I interview inspiring yogis living their dharma every single week. I'm your host, Henry Winslow, and this is episode number 27 with my guest, B. Bosnak. Now, before we talk about B, I've got a couple of housekeeping items. This is an exciting week on the technical side because I just moved over the podcast to a more reliable RSS feed. It's a lot of technical um, mumbo jumbo that you shouldn't really be worried about. The only reason I bring it up is I want to make sure that you're still able to listen to the show. So hopefully you're hearing this. And if you did run into any errors or something didn't work the way that you expected or you're used to, let me know. Shoot me a note, um, henry at henrywins.com. Love to hear from you. Also, I've always got an open line there if you have feedback about the show. On another note, I want to take this opportunity to express my heartfelt gratitude to Jordan Lydia Grimmer for making a donation to Dharma Talk. Jordan, you rock. Thank you so much. It means so much to me that you would part with your hard-earned dollars as a yoga teacher um, to support this show. And if anyone else would like to make a contribution, you can always do that on my website, henrywins.com or dharmatalk.show. Either one of those URLs will take you to uh, the website where you can make an easy PayPal donation, which supports keeping Dharma Talk up and running. Okay, now about B. Bosnak, the guest for this week's episode. B is a fellow yoga teacher here in New York City, and she is known for creating this methodology she's calling Heal Yourself. And I met her at one of her workshops where she took us through this process, or one form of it. Uh, I went with my wife, Veronica, who was connected to her before I was, and the workshop was really powerful. Uh, it was different from what I've done in a typical yoga um, environment. This was not a yoga studio. It was at a space that I, I suppose she rented out, but every detail about the environment was thought through and thought-provoking in its own way. So we do talk a little bit about my experience with that, um, but I'd love for you to hear her describe what's important to her in her teaching in this interview. A few of the things that you're going to learn from this conversation are a simple but profound exercise that she teaches and you can use to set personal boundaries and be intentional about your choices. We talk about how you can waste a perfectly good tropical vacation and the limitations of environment to your mental and spiritual well-being. And lastly, this is an important topic that... um, I stressed in the call in our conversation, and I'll stress again here, why putting your teacher on a pedestal is a dangerous mistake, and how we can benefit, on the other hand, from embracing the human condition. So I'm excited for you to check out this interview with B. Stay tuned. We'll dive right in after these announcements. Yogis, I've got a whole bunch of special events and workshops coming up this fall that I hope you can join me for. First, on September 15th at Yoga Fitness Herald Square in Manhattan, I'm teaching a workshop called Backbending for Health and Joy. Then, the weekend of October 13th, 14th, I'll be down in Miami with my wife, Veronica Lombo. We're each teaching a workshop. I'm covering hip therapy for grounding and tension release, and Veronica's teaching mood-boosting meditation and practical pranayama for mental wellness. Then in November, we're going down to Richmond, Virginia, my hometown, and the weekend of November 16th through 18th, I'll be teaching a couple workshops at the Yoga Dojo, Take Control Through Lightness, and Find Power in Vulnerability. Then the following weekend, November 24th and 25th, right after Thanksgiving, I'll be teaching another HIPS workshop at Hot Yoga Richmond, and the next day, Veronica will teach a workshop called Sadhana, Creating Your Yoga Practice Beyond the Poses. Also, at the beginning of November, I'm going to be stopping through the One Fire Hot Yoga Festival down in Mexico, so I hope our schedules align. If you can come to any of my workshops or you're going to One Fire, 
Come say hi. Love to meet you in person. You can find the details for all those workshops at henrywins.com slash events. What's your purpose? What's your vision? What mark will you leave on this planet long after you're gone? I'm Henry Winslow, and you're listening to Dharma Talk, the only podcast where I interview inspirational yogis on how they're changing the world in their own unique ways. Whether you're still searching for your purpose or already walking the path, I hope these stories get you excited to live your Dharma. Hello, Dharma Talk community, and welcome back to another episode. Today, I have my friend B. Bosnak on the show. B is a New York City-based healer, teacher, mentor, and the creator of Heal Yourself, a comprehensive yoga system designed to enhance the capacity of the emotional body while exploring the strength of the physical body. B has been studying yoga, meditation, and the human condition for the past decade and continues to study philosophical, spiritual, and biomechanical aspects of the practice from various disciplines. She teaches a vast variety of yoga and meditation classes throughout New York City, as well as leading her heartfelt signature method, Heal Yourself, workshops and retreats worldwide and offering classes online. You've got a lot going on. I'm excited to learn a lot more about that. But first of all, how are you today? I'm doing so well, Henry. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, we we met because my wife Veronica um, brought me to one of your one of these workshops, one of these heal yourself workshops that you were leading in New York, and um, it was a really powerful experience. And you know, right right then and there, I was already doing this podcast, and I thought she would be a great person to. Um, to, to bring on the show and share this message out with more people. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a long time coming. I'm very excited. Me too. And it's also amazing that you got to taste a little bit of, you know, what I do, um, so that we can sort of speak with it at the same time. Sometimes it's very hard to describe exactly what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there's many, many different elements to it, but, um, you know, you having a, a little taste of it. Um, how did that feel for you? <laughs> Oh, well, you know, it, it is interesting, you know, coming at it from the perspective of a yoga teacher, someone who's doing a lot of yoga already. Um, I can imagine this being a totally different experience for someone who isn't necessarily as rooted in these modalities in a, in a mm -hmm. traditional way. Um, one thing that I noticed right off the bat was you didn't come into it with any necessarily um, uh, the same language that a lot of yoga teachers do. It seemed a lot more um, open. I'll say that, mm. like a little bit more, um, just uh, speaking to what's happening rather than mm. any preconceived notions about what you should be doing when you do it. And I'm speaking probably as ambiguously as you might need to to explain this to someone <laughs> cold because I appreciate that there are listeners on the show that have, you know, never been there for this either. But um, Let's, let's talk more about what you're doing, and we can try to flesh that out. But first, I always start these interviews with the same first question. I don't want to miss that. Uh, that question is, is this. What does the word dharma mean to you, and what is your dharma as you understand it today? Yeah, that's a great question uh, to begin with, dharma. You know, it has so many layers for me when I think of dharma, but what instantly comes to me is purpose. Uh, following your purpose. And um, I think there's also this notion around the purpose. Well, you know, I haven't found my purpose or how do I find my purpose? Um, and here's the thing, not necessarily, you know, do we, you know, come into this life with a purpose. We may find our purpose when we're 25. We may find our purpose when we're 40. We may start to move into a different direction of a purpose, you know, when we're 50. And, and I think that's the beauty of the, of the Dharma, of the purpose, is that it is never stagnant. And it is always evolving. It is always transcending. So for me, when I think of Dharma, it's really coming into my purpose and what it is that I can give. You know, since I've I've been studying yoga, it's not about what I can get from the yoga. I never go into a what can I get, but rather what can I give through the receiving, if that makes sense. What can I give of myself from the receiving? And to receive, of course, you have to be open. Um, and so when you're closed, you 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 cannot 
you cannot bring that receiving in because you're shut. It's like a fist, right? There's no energy moving if your fist is, is closed, but to open your palm and to release your fingers and to feel that energy, the particles of you, the energy of you moving through the fingertips, that's, that's an opening. Um, so yeah, was that a, a long answer? <laughs> That's a good answer, and there's a lot to explore and unpack there. Yeah. Um, the first thing that I kind of want to dig a little deeper on is how you said that it's not about what you can get, it's more about what you can give. And as a teacher, I can certainly you know, appreciate that and, and relate to that. I, I want to ask you, has it always been that way for you even before you started teaching? Yes, it's always been that way for me. Um, I come into yoga, I came into yoga with trying to really understand myself, um, my thoughts, my feelings, my body, my life. Um, and it wasn't about, yeah, what can I get from this, but rather what can I receive so that that receiving can then move and flow into my life because that is what yoga is for me. It's, 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 it's life. You know, yoga is everything and everything is life. And so, yeah, coming into the yoga practice almost now, yeah, 10 years ago, um, it was like, what can I receive? What can I take back to my friendships? What can I take back to my relationships? What can I take back to the conversations I have with my parents? Uh, what can I bring into my community? So it's all about receiving and 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 being being that open vessel. Um, and also, as you're as you're in that open vessel, it's about cleaning the debris, cleaning all of this unconscious. Uh, habitual patterns that I collected from childhood, you know, this should be this way, that should be that way. And then you see a different way and you're like, well, why can't it be this way? Mm. So, so moving, moving through that and learning new things, learning a new way to live and learning a new way to breathe. Uh, I think the breath is such an important part of, of, of the practice in life, you know, we breathe life, we breathe oxygen, we breathe love, we breathe everything. And so how can we breathe in, so receiving in, and then transmute that into what we can offer out, the yeah. offering, the offering mm -hmm. of, of who you are. At, at first, I was having a tough time uh, discerning what you, the difference you were trying to make between getting and receiving, but now I, I totally understand what you mean. I think getting implies holding on to something, but when you are receiving and, and you become this vessel that you're describing, you're really a channel, and everything that comes into you through the practice, through your meditation, through the yoga, eventually spills out and and that's something that you're sharing with other people uh and as far as the blockages go that's something that really stuck with me from my experience with your workshop um we did this exercise uh that maybe you can explain better than than i'm going to relate right now but um there was this moment after we had done some physical movement to basically sort of loosen up and be comfortable in our skin where you asked us to think about what we wanted to say yes to and what we wanted to say no to. And my, my uh, experience with that was the more that you could be physical with that experience and, and with that interaction, um, the deeper you could go into things that might have otherwise been assumptions. And then we started basically screaming, yes, 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 <laughs> or no, no, no. Um, and it sounds a little bit crazy, you know, but sometimes you have to get out of the, uh, the pretense and the, the behaviors that you're used to in order to really question those things that are deep seated. Yeah, that was a, a powerful exercise. And every time I, I teach that, I see just layers and layers of, uh, holding, which you talked about layers of attachment. When I think of holding, I think of attachment. Uh, just melting away because you you have you are given permission to say yes that's not something you know in our life that we have permission to to say yes to whatever it is that you're calling into your life you know yes I want to quit my job yes I want to um, tell him or tell her I love you first Yes, I want to be the most open vessel. Yes, I want whatever. You fill in the blank. And then the opposite, no. No more 
holding, no more attachment, no more jealousy, no more anxiety, no more whatever, no. And so these two words are so powerful because if you look in your day-to-day life, you're constantly saying yes to things and you're constantly saying no to things. And there's this, you know, this beautiful kind of dance that moves between the two and you get to decide. You get to decide what you want to say yes to. You get to decide what you want to say no to. And so with all of these uh, habitual patterns that we've collected, it's like, should I really be saying yes to this? Is this okay? So in that exercise, you have permission to say whatever it is that you want to say, yes, I take this. No, I don't want that anymore. No. So I think what that is, is really creating healthy boundaries, creating healthy boundaries. And these are my boundaries. And if you move past my boundaries, then what is the consequence to that? Right. That's how I like to think of it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think if you don't go through that exercise, whether you're doing it out loud or just sitting with yourself and asking yourself these questions, it's like you said, you know, we're saying yes or no, whether we appreciate it and acknowledge it or not. So you might as well be intentional about it so that you know where those boundaries are. Yeah, and I think what also is a huge uh, component to that is saying it out loud, saying it out loud. And in, and in that room, when you hear someone saying yes and yes, and I, I'm always cueing louder, 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 like make your voice heard, mm-hmm. make yourself heard. And then it, it becomes this chain reaction because then your neighbor is loud and you're like, well, I'm going to be loud. And, and that just transforms the energy of the space. Um, so when I think of doing yoga, um, and I think, you know, for, for many of us, we look at yoga as the yoga asana, the yoga, the postures of it. And, you know, that's the way I, I sort of came into the practice. My way was more from breathing. I studied a lot of pranayama before I even got to the asana. Um, that's the traditional way in. Mm hmm. I like to be very esoteric in the way I teach. I like to pull from a lot of different things because here's the thing. I'm constantly dealing with students who come to the practice with a a very modern Western psyche. And yoga is a very traditional Eastern psyche. And so, for example, when Patanjali wrote the sutras, he wrote them because he had, you know, an understanding that everyone was coming to yoga with some sort of uh, intention or belief that they are sort of in this highest place of, 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 of consciousness to understand exactly what each and each and every precious sutra means. But we, we're having students who have no idea what yoga is. So how can I make the practice a little bit more accessible, a little bit more approachable, because I don't know about you, but I also get a lot of students who are intimidated by the practice, which is such a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially when, um, you know, yoga at, at the time of Patanjali is like, this is just an assumption. This is a way of life. And he was codifying it. Um, it was already understood. Um, this was just like putting together a rule book for it and, mm. and starting to put it into words but you're right i mean now there's so many different frameworks and um contradictory philosophies that we have to choose from that to be able to pick and choose is is very powerful and and it shouldn't be um constraining to to choose to practice yoga it should fit the mold of what you want to do Right. And I think, you know, the sutras is, uh, the yoga is, um, is the rule book of, of playing this sort of game of life. Right. But in this game, it's like, no one needs to lose. No one is a, no one is a loser. You win just by showing up to your practice mm. and by practice, meaning whatever type of yoga practice that you're doing, whether it's pranayama, whether it's asana, whether it's kriyas, whether it's meditation, and then bringing that into your life, because then your life becomes yoga. You become yoga. I mean, you are already yoga, and that's what I try to teach, is that yoga is already your natural essence. But yet we've collected a lot of these things, all this data, all this information, and we've sort of lost um, our true connection to our, our nature. You know, we're all looking down at this luminary device, and our life is connected to this. Um, and don't get me wrong, technology has 
incredibly helped my life and and my career and the way that, that I've reached out to people. But it, it's again, it's the intention of how you use it. So how will you use your yoga? What will you do in those 60 minutes? Who will you become in those 60 minutes? And then what will you take from it? And what will you leave behind? Mm-hmm. And, and then what can you do that transcends 60 minutes of dedicated yoga practice and, and really gets you out of doing and more into being? Like you said, I mean, we, we can be yoga, not just do it. Right. Because how can you do yoga? Yes, you can do the yoga asana. How can you do the meditation? Yes, you can sit and you can think, but it's the being. That is a, a crucial part of the practice is being because that's what we are. We are human beings, no? Like, but then we've turned that into human doings. Do, do, do. Rush, rush, rush. Get, get, mm-hmm. get. What else can I get? Um, I want that promotion. I want more money. I want, I want, I want. But the need coming coming back in, into the need of just being to just be yourself as you are which doesn't mean you know that you can't elevate yourself of course you know i think we're we're all evolving each moment um and the evolution doesn't have to be in those magical beautiful moments for me evolution is in those triggers it's in my deepest challenges it's what pushes me into the surface and makes me look at to those places that I really don't want to look at. I don't want to go back there again. I don't want to go through memory lane. I don't want to bring in that moment, but I know I have to. Mm-hmm. So in those workshops, I'm always constantly, okay, think of that particular event. What happened? What happened to your body? Why are you stagnant there? Why are you stuck there? Why are you free here? Why are you open here? To really get to know yourself through going into yourself and really getting into the nectar of the practice, which is that being. Yeah. And then go out there and be. You and I are both based in New York City, where everybody, I think the one thing that really joins that community together, which is very diverse in, in a lot of ways, is everyone's got this drive and ambition, or else you just don't even survive in New York. I mean, everybody has that fast-paced um that productivity mindset. And in a lot of ways that can really serve you in, in being able to God and make a difference and, and serve others. But on the other hand, I think it really can be a distraction from everything that you're talking about. And, and how do you reconcile that? Um, it's very tricky. And I think that's where a practice is really most important is straddling these, these um, contradictory points in our lives and bringing you back into center so you mentioned earlier um, a number of different traditional elements of the yoga practice, the asana, the pranayama, the kriyas, all of this. Um, what does your personal yoga practice look like at this point in, in your life, in your career, um, and, and how has it evolved to, to serve your evolving needs? Yeah, well, like I mentioned, um, my first initial interaction with this thing called yoga, which I hadn't... I, had no idea what yoga was, no clue. Um, I was living in Los Angeles at this time, and uh, this is back in like 2006, 2005. Um, my first experience with yoga was pranayama, was was breathing. Uh, my my um, my childhood was was filled with a lot of um, chronic asthma attacks, so I actually did not know how to breathe for many many years of my life. My breath was very shallow. I mean, no wonder I was getting all these asthma attacks. I just, I didn't know how to breathe. No, no one taught me how to breathe. Um, I entered this class and that, I think it was like a 90 minute class and it was, it was just seated position and the, the different types of pranayama exercises and techniques that we did. It was just like this, this luminous kind of energy moving through me. And it was a moment that like tears were just running down my eyes and I was like, wow, I can breathe. Wow, I can breathe. And after that, I did not take my inhaler. I would you know, bring my inhaler every time where I would go anywhere. Um, I still have it with me all the time. But uh, for almost like two years while, while I was doing the breath work, um, I didn't need medication. And that was just so mind mind-blowing for me. But then here I was sitting and I felt so like, I didn't know how to sit properly. My shoulders were down. You know, I didn't know how to put myself upright. So then my teacher said, you know, maybe try some asana classes. And again, I was mind blown. Like 
constantly just my mind was blown. My heart was blown. Wow. And again, I have no background. I have no background in dance or gymnastics growing up with this illness. And still to this day, I was very restricted from playing or doing sports or um, exercise so new you know, to, to touch my toes or to just feel the tightness of my hamstrings or all of this grief and responsibility I was holding in my shoulders. And then I started to really find a way to understand what sort of emotions I had in my body. Mm. Long story short, that then turned into a very deep asana practice, uh, still filled with breath work, and then I entered meditation. As I got into meditation, I found myself going back into childhood, into those moments um, of really understanding the capacity of life, of myself, of what I was doing in my life that was jeopardizing me. Because here's the thing, like no one was living the life for me. And yet I found myself in judgment or blame um, or just a lot of resistance, um, totally in a dark place. And so yoga helped me to find the light. And the light wasn't external. That's the thing. I feel like when we come to this practice, you know, like it's going to heal me. Yes, it's going to heal you. But nothing outside of you is doing the work. You are doing the work. My practice now really consists of um, a one-hour asana practice followed by breath work and meditation. Uh, some days when I don't actually do my practice, meaning being on the mat or on the yoga uh, cushion, on the meditation cushion, it's about how can I bring my learnings into my day-to-day -day life? For example, like you mentioned, in New York City, how can I walk slower? How can I smile at the person that just kind of brushes over me because they're rushing? How can I offer a smile to a homeless person? How can I stand in line as I'm getting my coffee with awareness? How can I talk in a way that's slower, that is actually helping my nervous system and helping the other person that I'm talking to instead of talking very fast and in this sort of, you know, stress mode, flight mode? So it really ranges. It really ranges. Um, but I need to do my practice because when I don't, I absolutely feel it. And whether I'm, whenever I'm doing anything, for example, before this podcast, I really needed to prepare myself. So I feel like the practice really prepares me into whatever it is that I am doing. So really to prepare yourself for life and all of, all of the demands of life being in preparation. I am prepared. Bring it on. I'm prepared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can definitely um, relate to your, uh, I don't want to say dependence, that's the wrong word, but um, the way that you rely on your practice to uh, to support you in everything that you're doing afterward. Uh, for me, and people often ask me why I, I practice yoga, and my answer that I've sort of defaulted to at this point is clarity. That, that's what it brings me, and um, every piece of the puzzle there between the the asana practice, the pranayama, the breathing, the purification exercises, and the meditation, all of that for me gets me closer to understanding what I'm actually trying to bring to the world every day. And um, if you don't ask yourself those questions, then you're kind of just bumbling through. Uh, so yes, I mean, I think the clarity, the preparation is so, so key. And I loved hearing your, your take on that. Um, sure. Yeah, I think, you know, yoga really releases sort of like this, this creative potential of life. And I believe that it does this by really establishing um, a structure, right? So a structure of self-realization, again, to get to know yourself by slowing how we can progress along by slowing down. I think that's really key, slowing down, no matter you know, where you live, whether in, you're, you're in New York City or living on a beautiful island. And here's the thing, you can go to, you know, a beautiful island on holiday, but still you're in this fast paced mode. You need to do this and this and this and this. And then you're thinking of what I need to get back to and all these emails. So are you really there? Does the environment 
play a big role? Yes, of course it does. But it's again, it's the play of how you are in that environment. Yeah. And you can go wherever you want in the world, but you can't leave yourself. So that the work has to be done there. Mm-hmm. B, uh, can you take us back to a moment where um, you became a little bit clearer on your dharma? So in other words, when you uh, decided that this was something that you wanted to share with other people rather than um, keep to yourself or just have as your personal tool belt? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, it really started when um, I was learning a lot of these aspects of yoga, you know, physical aspects, the spiritual, the mental, the emotional. And it was a moment in my time where I was just in awe. I was learning all of these things. And I was like, wow, I cannot keep this for myself. I need to share this because I have family, I have friends, I have colleagues that could really benefit from this. And so I found myself just constantly talking about it, like, you need to do yoga, you need to do yoga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the the need to, to share it, the need to share it. And I came into the teacher training just to, to learn. Um, and through that learning, I realized that, yeah, I cannot keep this for myself and I wanted to share. So I made a commitment, well, how can I share this? How can I Um, share this through my personal interpretation of the yoga. And I think when you ask someone, what is yoga for you, you're going to get many, many different answers. Because again, it is a self-practice. It is what it means for you. But if we go back to Patanjali, he tells us, you know, many different ways of what yoga is. And it's releasing some of those fluctuations of the mind, right? Or whatever the, the, the sutra that you're looking at, it's such a potent way to understand what yoga is. But first, understand it for yourself. What does yoga mean for you? And not just the physical part. Go deeper than that. Get more specific. Get more clear. Don't be so vague. So once I started to understand a lot of stuff, I started to really put myself out there. And I think that was the hardest thing, was to put myself out there because, you know, I had a great job. I had a great career. There was no need for me to, you know, change my careers. I was, I thought I was fulfilled But yet there was this yearning of what is life? What is consciousness? What is existence? What is really my purpose here? Is my purpose going to a nine till nine job and, you know, living for the weekends, living for a Friday night? Is that my life? You said nine to nine, right? Nine, yeah, nine to nine. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the New York equivalent (laughs) of a nine to five, just to clarify there. You know, is is this what really life is about? Working for someone else and to work for someone else's dream. That was sort of a, you know, kind of um, a pinpoint for me in my life. Like, no, I actually don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. So for me, it started off as teaching, you know, classes uh, here and there, one or two classes a week while I was still in my in my career, my corporate job. Um, and then I started to get more gigs and more gigs and I started to come out of my shell. But here's the thing. It was like, I was two different people when I was in the, when I was in the yoga room and teaching the yoga, that channeling aspect, I came in with a very clean vehicle, like whatever you are, whatever this is, take me so I can take my students where they need to go. So it was like becoming a vehicle so that they can have a full experience And then the moment class would end, I would go back into my life and then I would be this other B. So I had a lot of trouble and struggle about being this person, this person, when I finally eventually came to the point that I want to be more of this person. So how can I be more of that? And I think that's the thing. We all have different layers, right? We all have uh, different sort of um, beings of ourselves that we're constantly dancing with you know, this, this Shakti and Shiva energy, this masculine and feminine energy, this um, introversion and extroversion energy. And I think we are everything and also nothing at the same time. Once I started getting really clear, I wanted to take this up full time. So I left my career almost now, I think four years ago, and I made the decision to take yoga into a full time gig Um, and that is, you know, that's terrifying by itself because Mm -hmm. of security, right? Attachment of security. 
well, I, you know, what will people think? Or, you know, am I crazy? Am I really doing this? Yes, I'm really doing this. <laughs> like, yes, I'm quitting <laughs> to take on this purpose, to take on what it is that my heart is telling me to do. So it was, it was a lot of introspection, Henry. It was a lot of going in. Why am I doing this? Is it to boost my ego? Or is it to really offer the experience that have helped me drastically, dramatically, that I can share with others. If I can change one person's life with something that I say or with something that they feel in their inner body, then I've done my job. Yeah. It's, um, it's always interesting to hear when people say that they went to a teacher training without the intention of being a teacher. And then next thing you know... <laughs> Um, you just wind wind up down that path, uh, and I think it's it's so common because when you practice the yoga in a more uh, consistent and intense way, which is you know the natural course of events after you do a teacher training and, and deepen your knowledge in that way, um, you start to be a lot more inquisitive of yourself, and on top of that, on top of the inquiry, you also start to trust yourself more and, and listen to that intuition, listen to what your heart is calling. And then it's much harder to, pardon my French, suffer the bullshit of, of what's going on in your life that isn't aligned with what you want to do. Um, that's certainly what happened to me as well. So, um, definitely, um, hear you on that experience, which, uh, which type of training did you do? I started um, my 200 hours with uh, Core Power Yoga. Um, this was, uh, they, they were huge back in the West Coast when I lived mm -hmm. in um, LA, but I took my teacher training when I moved to Portland uh, for a little bit. Um, now Core Power Yoga has come more to the East Coast, but I started with that. And then I started to get more into um, Jiva Mukti Yoga. Mm -hmm. uh, and my teacher, um, I did my 300 hours with Alana Cavalia, um, who's an exceptional teacher, and she taught me all about spirituality and mythology and the psycho-spiritual state of yoga. Uh, again, just opening up, opening up layers and layers. Uh, then I started to need more information about the, the biomechanics of the body, because here's the thing, like I could talk about all of these you know, esoteric terms and spirituality, but if you're not in your body, and here's the thing, we are moving people. So we need to be very intelligent of how we're moving, how we're sequencing, how we're putting uh, people into this shape, into these shapes. So I trained with uh, Jill Miller um, in her yoga tune-up teacher training, which was, I think, a seven or eight day uh, intensive training, um, all about myofascial release, uh, working with the biomechanics of the body, uh, finding integrity of the body. Um, and then I signed myself up to Yoga Medicine, um, who, uh, Tiffany Cruikshank, who is the creator of Yoga Medicine. Um, I now, for the past couple of years, have been training with her. So I like to dabble myself in a lot of, in a lot of different things. I did a lot of meditation trainings with Tara Brock and, and, and Jack Cornfield. Um, so I, I love to learn from, from different types. And then I learn and I let go. I learn and I let go. Um, I'm not the person I would say that I have a teacher. Um, and I think if you do, that's, that's a beautiful thing to go back to your teacher, but I have probably about six, seven, eight different teachers. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's how I want my students to be with me. Like I am, I'm just your guide. I'm guiding you. So when we put, you know, a teacher on a pedestal and I've done that and that's going to disappoint you because mm -hmm. here's the thing, they are human. Don't put them on a on a pedestal because they're going to disappoint you because you have all these, you know, preconceived notions of them and they're this, you know, this light and they are always in the right and they can do nothing, nothing wrong. And that's putting a lot of pressure on your teacher. So come as you are, take what you need and leave. They are, yes, your light. They are, yes, your guide. They are, yes, absolutely your inspiration. Um, they are your teacher at times, but you are your own inner teacher. So to your listeners, and I think you probably have a lot of yoga teachers or uh, yoga teachers who are now finding themselves after a teacher training wanting to pursue this, you are your own teacher. First, find your own satguru. That's what I would say is find your own inner teacher and then seek 
the people who have done decades of work, who have given their life to all of this work to help. Mm -hmm. That is so, so wise. And um, if everybody thought the way that you do about that, I think a lot of misery would be saved. I mean, no lineage of yoga is safe from from disappointment from the the guru on the pedestal. I mean, take a look at Ashtanga, Bikram, like these Iyengar. I mean, all of these people have been accused of one thing or another. And whether you choose to believe it or not, it still is a heartbreaking realization to even hear that if this is someone you know, the leaders of these of these lineages are, are people that you've looked up to as being perfect examples of, I don't know, divinity, something not human. And and it's and it's not even helpful, really, um, to look at people that way, because how applicable is that when you're going out into the world and trying to make um, trying to be of service to people who are like you, flawed, imperfect um, and going through things. So, yeah, I, I mean. That's so, so important. I just want to say it again. Do not default to one person. But if you want to look at someone as a mentor, fantastic. That's great. Mm -hmm. But you have to be, you have to be the person who tries things on and see, sees what works for you and what you can spread with authenticity, not simply because you were told it and you're passing it on. Absolutely. And I, and I think I get this a lot, like when I speak with people, yeah, yoga is not for me. I tried one class yet. Yeah, it's just, it's not for me. But like you said, try it on. Try different teachers. Try different lineages. Try different methods. There's many aspects of what yoga is. First, define what yoga is for you and what you want to get out of it. Um, and then what you want to give from it. But try it on. Do different things. You know, work with different teachers. But again, remind yourself that you are your own inner teacher. And so, like I said, yeah, they are going to disappoint you because we're all flawed. I'm flawed. I'm not perfect. I still have shit to do. I have a lot of shit to work through. But yet, I'm using my practice to not inspire myself, but also my students as well. And I'm all about being real. That's, yeah. that's one thing that, I, that I'm very, very adamant with is, Henry, is to be real. Like, this is what I'm working through, you guys. This is what I'm doing. This is what's happening in my relationship. This is what's happening in my career. This is how I got to where I got to. But it took this much. And I think we forget that from point A to point B, there is this huge space that people don't see. People only see where you've come to. And they don't see all of the work that it's taken for you to get there. So I'm not going to say, yeah, teaching yoga is easy or building this, a career from out of it is not easy, but it is absolutely doable. Mm -hmm. If you put in the work, it is absolutely doable. So first ask yourself, what is it that you want to do? Get clear with yourself, which you said, right? Clarity. Get clear. Get precise. Don't be vague. I think it's a, mis it's a real mistake to believe that you need to have mastered something or perfected something before you can teach it um, because first of all that's an illusion I mean there is no perfection especially when it comes to yoga practice unless you're talking about you know liberation um, at which point we're not even here anymore um, but also on top of that like you have so much to share in the process of uncovering these things in ourselves it can really fuel your teaching as a yoga teacher to to come from your own recent experience um, that's definitely something that I fall back on a lot um, when I'm teaching, e even at the gross level, the physical level, but at the emotional level too, energetic. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever been let down by, by a teacher in that way? Or is that a lesson that you learned the hard way or something that you always intrinsically knew to, to come back to yourself? Uh, I wish I knew before. No, I, I definitely learned the hard way. Um, putting one particular teacher on a pedestal, like, I want to learn from you. It was like, I want to be you. Mm -hmm. I just want to be you. Like, teach me how to be you. And I forgot myself in the process because I was just trying to, to be her, to do things the way she was because I, I looked at her like she is 
a goddess. She is perfection. And that's beautiful. When you look at someone and you can see their divinity, right? You can see their light. You can see their energy. You can feel their, their vibration. That's beautiful. But if you're then putting them up to this, like, this pedestal of like, yes, she or he is my guru. Like, I am your student. Teach me. Yeah, that, that is not healthy. Mm-hmm. That is not healthy for yourself and for the teacher that you are doing that with. Um, and then I came to realize that she was human. Mm-hmm. She was human. And some of the things I found, uh, not in the teachings, but in the personal experiences was, wow, she, she, she does react or she does swear or, you know, she does say things that don't really make sense because she's not in the, you know, in the, in the, in the space of teaching the yoga and some of those things made me reactionary, like, well, why would she do that? She's supposed to be a yoga teacher. Mm. You know, why would she do that? She's supposed to be, you know, enlightened. And so I was projecting all of these things on her. So it was an amazing lesson for me. It was such an incredible lesson for me that it was about me and it wasn't about her because I was so desperate for someone to lead me. I was so desperate that I was ready to just offer myself up. Don't do that. Don't do that. Such such an important lesson, and um, you know, I I see people fall victim to that that exact arc so often, and I think part of the reason why is you know, when you first um, are getting really deep into yoga, you're so amazed by all these powerful benefits and all these uh, transformations and changes that are happening in your life that it's easy to say. I mean, it's a miracle, and and it is. It is a miracle. Yoga practice is a miracle, but um, it doesn't mean that every single thing associated with it, tangentially, including a guide who pointed you on the path, is is uh, is an angel. You know, um, and you know, I said this before. I'll say it again. I think the the best teachers are the ones that can um, own and embrace their humanity which includes the animal and the divine and the human in the middle. Uh, but to, to, to miss some of those shades of gray in there is a recipe for disaster. Um, it may be just one of those things that everybody has to learn themselves. I think um, so. I think so. <laughs> yeah, you really do. I mean, sometimes you just got to learn the hard way, you know, uh, most of the times, actually. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm always learning the hard way. There is no way that I'm learning that is so easy, that is just like, you know, bliss. I am constantly learning the hard way. And I think that's what makes it really, really potent for me is that you can find such gems in those hard teachings of life. You know, when you're going through grief, when you're going through betrayal, when you're going through fear, when you're going through disappointment, lean into that run to it, actually, um, instead of running away from it. Uh, and for many years in my life, all of those things that looked for me as negative, I was just running away from. Don't yeah. want that. Don't want that. And I, I had to, to realize that I actually need to move towards it. Because then when you start to move towards it, these things have no longer any control because um, perhaps, yeah, you're never going to master it. But that's not the intention. My intention is not to master anything. My intention is to understand everything in the capacity that I show up, meaning in the level of consciousness that I am showing up to this situation, this event, this person, with what I know. Because I cannot respond to it in the way I don't know. Right? I can only respond to it in the way that I know. So if you, yeah, for the, for the listeners, if you are going through that, lean into those sharp edges, you know, lean into the discomfort and work with the discomfort because that can be such an incredible teacher to then move through it. And as you're moving through it, what is moving, what is moving you, right? What is it? A higher power? Is it divinity? Uh, and like you said, yes, the goal of yoga, liberation, But can we, I mean, have you ever met someone who's got to that goal? And yes, we've said, you know, like Iyengar and Ashtanga and all of these teachers who have created these methods, like have they got to the, to the end goal? And if they have, then why are these things coming up? 
mm-hmm. you know, with all the Me Too movement and all of this, have they come to, to the end of the goal? And that's the thing. No one has, actually. If you look at it, no one has. And we're human. We are human. And this is the human condition. We are going to go through bliss. We are going to go through shame. We are going to go through vulnerability. We are going to go through disappointment. We are going to go through heartbreak. But that is the beauty of life, is to exist in all of these emotions. If you can learn to em- to embrace them and appreciate the beauty in the full range, yes, that, that is the beauty mm-hmm. of life. The only way through, or the only way past the discomfort is, is straight through it. Um, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Uh, we, have to, we have to feel all of that. And, um, That's a great thing that you said there, feel. And I think a lot of us, me included, it's like we're, we want to prove, right? We're all in this need of proving and proving and proving, but we're not actually feeling. And that's something that I always say is forget the proving. Like you, you don't need to prove to me that you are amazing in this warrior too. Feel it, feel it. What can you take from the physical posture into the right from the gross into the subtle and go subtle and subtle and go in, go in so that you can go through. So less proving, more feeling. So you've, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that you've got uh, a lot of different things going on. You have your Heal Yourself workshops, retreats, um, and then online classes. Is anything that you would um, want to point our listeners to if they wanted to dig a little deeper on any of that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the online classes that I offer is yoga and meditation and breathwork classes. Um, it is on 108.com and uh, I have many classes there. Uh, it's been so amazing to connect with different uh, practitioners all over the globe and receiving emails. And I'm sure you get that too with, with what you're offering on this podcast, right? Illuminating uh, a lot of topics and, and just people reaching out to you saying like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's, been, that's been so amazing uh, for me and to really create this community. Um, I never thought my work would go online, but we live, you know, in this life, in this world that everything is really now online. Um, So that's been really tremendous. Um, I am also teaching an immersion here in New York City. It's called the Healing Immersion, um, which comes from the Heal Yourself Method. It's September 14th to the 16th here in New York City. It's actually the first time I've ever done uh, an immersion like this before. Most of my workshops are three hours long, uh, sometimes four hours long. But I feel that that is never enough, too. Because once you once you go through the workshop, it's like, well, what now? And so I, I, I realize that people need more of not just the uh, preliminary part of the actual workshop, but also what happens post the workshop. Right. So I created this yeah. immersion. And uh, so, yeah, that's uh, September 14th to the 16th. Um, I have a couple of spots left for that. But yeah, I mean, I'm all over the place. Um, so yeah, it's everything's on my website, bebosnack.com. Um, so yeah, it's open to, to everyone. And you don't have to, I have a lot of people who come to my retreats that have never done yoga. It's mm-hmm. like a lot of a lot of the women bring their, you know, partners, their husbands, their boyfriends, um, and the whole journey of that one week, seven, eight days of going in is remarkable. So just, you need to just show up as you are, just come as you are, show up as you are and take whatever it, 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 it is in you that you need. So, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's just been amazing to really connect with people all over the globe in person, online, um, yeah, and I'm always just trying to create content for online. I have a meditation course. It's called Stay. Uh, that really came from my interest in going in to staying, to staying with those feelings, to staying with those icky feelings instead of pushing them away. So that's what Stay is is, is really about, and that's a seven-day online course. Is that uh, on that your website t- as well? It is, yeah. it's It's all on there. Okay, I'll make sure to link to all of those resources in the show notes for the listeners to check out. Um, where are you going next on your next retreat? Next retreat, I'm actually heading to Turkey uh, mid-September. 
doing a four-day retreat there in Turkey, and then I have uh, another seven-day retreat uh, in Mykonos in October. Wow. Those are all sold out, but I do have a retreat happening in April 2019, April 1st to the 8th in Ubud, Bali, and we have uh, we just opened that up, so we we still have uh, tons of spaces on there. Amazing destinations. That sounds yeah. like such a treat. Um, and it's really cool that you're uh, kind of finding some middle ground between the, the workshop setting and the retreat setting with this immersion on your home turf. Um, yeah, it's a totally different experience to come in for a couple hours versus being able to take in um, a certain set of exercises or, or new way of thinking about things and then let it digest, let it marinate and, and see what comes up after that. So um, yeah, totally, totally different and, and valid yeah. um, framework for, for approaching and teaching. Absolutely. And, and here's the thing I also want to just kind of insert there is like when I was creating this again, like I'm human as I'm creating this, who will come, who will show up to this? You know, we all have these kind of thoughts. Am I good enough? Am I really knowledgeable enough to do this? And so for those newer yoga teachers, I am there right with you, you know, I, and I don't know how it is for you, but anytime I'm creating something that, that thought comes in, like be like, no one's going to listen to you. Why are you even doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that pattern of, yeah, you're never going to be good enough because of the things that I've been taught, but then using the yoga to turn up, to turn that around. And you know what? I'm offering this up. Whoever shows up will show up. I mean, that's a different way to handle things. Yeah. Yeah. Not trying to be something for everyone, just doing you and attracting the people that, that are meant to be there. Exactly. And here's the thing. I don't, I don't want to teach yoga for everyone. I want to teach yoga for a specific type of person, a person who is wanting to wake up. That's it. And so I don't think my yoga is accessible for every single person right now because most people are not ready to wake up yet. And that's okay. Take your time with it, you know, do whatever it is that you need to do. But when you're ready to dive down into the, into the deeper aspects of the practice, to really dive down into the subtle layers of the ocean, to let yourself go, this is what Heal Yourself is all about, is going inwards, the inwards journey that will allow you to explore and integrate each of these aspects from your physical body into the subtle layers. It's discovery, it's recovery, and it's really uncovering all of yourself. Well, B, you are totally clear on what you're trying to do. If you listeners out there want to uncover yourself and and go deeper with B, then you, you know where to go. Um, now seems like the perfect time to switch into our final section of the interview, B, and this is what I like to call the prana round. In the prana round, I'm going to ask you six rapid-fire questions. They're a little bit fun, lighthearted, but I ask you to answer in minimum one word, maximum one sentence. Does that sound good? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, in one word, why do you practice yoga? Connection. What's your favorite yoga pose and why? Wheel pose. Why? Because it helps me crack my heart open. That's a great one. One of my favorite backbends. What's the single best cue or piece of advice you've ever received from a yoga teacher? Feel the feelings. Recommend one book, modern or ancient, for our audience. Letting Go by David Hawkins. Uh Is yoga for everyone? No. Yoga is for people who want to wake the fuck up. (laughs) Well said. Okay, uh, last question. How can our audience get in touch with you and how can we support you in your dharma? You can get in touch with me on my website, bbosnack.com. If you have any questions about anything, I have a contact page right there and that will shoot me an email directly uh, to me. Um, I answer all the emails uh, myself and uh, yeah, all my workshops, retreats, courses, everything is on there, bbosnack.com. Awesome. B, thank you so much for coming on Dharma Talk and sharing your stories and your wisdom. Uh, I look forward to seeing you again sometime soon in New York. Thank you so much, Henry. Yes, I'll see you in the city. 
if you got something out of this episode, if you like Dharma Talk and want to keep it going, please do me a huge favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. I know it's not the most convenient thing to do, but it makes all the difference in getting the show out there and more visible to other people who can benefit from it. And hey, if you've got feedback or ideas or you want to get in touch with me, you can do that on Instagram at Henry Wins. Otherwise, I'll talk to you next week. And until then, keep living your dharma.